Hey there, and welcome to the All Y'all Podcast. I'm Chris J. And I'm Sarah Abair. All Y'all is a podcast and live storytelling event series produced independently from our home in Shreveport, Louisiana. This episode of the podcast features an incredible story from our August 2017 live event, The Skin I'm In. Storyteller Kyle brought the house down with a love story that was personal, intense, and inspiring. So stick around after the story for a brief follow-up interview with Kyle and now his wife. Um, back in August, when Kyle told a story on the All Y'all stage, they were engaged to be married. And since then, they've actually gotten married. Um, and Chris and I caught up with them, th- this sweet newlywed couple, to discuss what the live storytelling experience was like for both of them. Before we get into Kyle's story, we wanted to take a moment to thank our presenting sponsor, Holiday Lanes, which is an awesome bowling alley and entertainment center in Bossier City. In addition to bowling, they've got one of the best arcades in town, a great bar called the Tin Pin Lounge, and even a restaurant, the Strikers Cafe, right there on site. Learn more or reserve a lane at bowlholidaylanes.com. With no further ado, here's Kyle's story, which we're calling Normal. Stick around after the story to hear an update from Kyle. Have you ever had one of those days that ends up turning into one of those months, which all of a sudden turns into one of those years that just suck? Because that's my 2017 so far. All I've wanted in life is to be normal. But this year has taught me repeatedly that I am anything but normal. Before I get into all of that, I want to talk to you about my childhood, which I perceived as normal. I grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska, and when I was little, my dad, every Saturday morning, would take out the lawnmower and make sure it was ready to mow the lawn, so I would also take out my kid lawnmower and uh, push it back and forth and make sure that the wheels would pop up those little plastic balls into the dome. And so then when my dad was ready and after I was done checking that, we would take our shirts off and then mow the lawn because that's the only way to mow the lawn. Well. I got a little bit older and I realized that my dad woke up every morning at four in the morning to get ready for work and he would leave about 5.30 in the morning to drive two blocks down the road to go to work by eight o'clock. I guess that's where I get my anxiety from. But anyway, so I would, I would wake up every morning at four and we would go in the bathroom and take that can of shaving cream and lather up literally as much as he would let me get away with and put it all over my face and I'd take my popsicle stick and he'd take his razor and we would shave every morning. And I just thought that that was what normal kids did until my sister, who's 12 years older than I am, and my mom started making fun of me and then saying, you know, you can't do that. That's not, that's not normal. That's not what girls do. And I was so confused because my best friend Clifford and I had given each other our cootie shots, you know, circle, circle, dot, dot. We were in the clear. Girls were gross. But my sister and my mom insisted that that's just not what girls did. Middle school came around and I finally got to chop off all my hair. And so every day I wore a baseball cap, an oversized t-shirt, oversized jeans, and shoes that were probably four sizes too big for me. And strangers would come up to me and ask if I was a boy or a girl. And by this time I had been told that I was a girl for so long that I took offense to that and said, obviously I'm a girl, as if they could tell by my attire. I finally got tired of my mother introducing me as, oh, this is my son, oh, I mean, daughter, the tomboy. 
And so I decided to grow my hair out and become as feminine as I could possibly muster, which in high school was girls' jeans from the buckle and an oversized t-shirt and boys' shoes and a low ponytail but no makeup because that would have been overkill. <laughs> high school was pretty decent for me, actually. Um, I had a really open and caring group of friends that never really made me feel like an outcast or a freak. Um, when I got to college, life was a little bit different. Um, between my freshman and sophomore year in college, I realized that I was in love with a woman who was much older than I was and who I uh, had known for most of my life. She was a music director at a church, and so I decided to go join her choir. Church was not a place that I was unfamiliar with. My mother was the music director at a church, and I had played and sang in church as long as I can remember. So it was a pretty familiar place for me to go. But what I didn't understand when I fell in love with this woman was that she was dying of cancer. And so I watched her over the next few months die a very slow and painful death. And on her deathbed, she asked me if I would take over her choir and, and take care of them after she was gone. I was 19, I had no idea what the hell I was doing with my life, and so I looked this woman in the face and said, of course. So she called the church and made all the arrangements, and then I was the music director. And I also had an identity at that point that I had to hide. My family found out um, and then proceeded to disown me, and I had to all of a sudden figure out how to live and how to afford school on my own, which was no easy feat. I had that job for about a year and a half, and I entered into a really intense depression, and I could not figure out what was wrong with my life. I thought I had it all figured out by then. And I knew that I had to quit my job at the church because I just couldn't even get off the couch anymore. I had basically stopped going to all of my college classes, and as a music major, you have a bajillion classes. Um, and only every now and then could I muster up enough courage to walk into choir. But a couple of my friends said, hey, on Halloween, let's go to choir and let's dress up. And so I said, fine, what are we dressing up as? And so we chose the Flintstones. So I was Fred Flintstone, and my best friend at the time was Barney Rubble. And on the day of, in order to play the character more convincingly, I had to bind my chest down. So I went and got a couple ace bandage wraps from the closet and bound my chest up, which it's not a good idea, don't do that, it's really unhealthy. But I did it anyway, put the costume on and walked into a room full of 250 people. And for the first time in my life, I didn't feel like a freak. I didn't feel like an outcast. And I was one of three people in the entire room that was dressed up. And then the thoughts flooded in of how this cannot be my life. This is not my life. I cannot be transgender. This isn't who I am. So for two months, I denied that. And then all of a sudden, I asked a couple of my close friends to start calling me Kyle and to use male pronouns. And at this point, I knew that I had to come out again to my family, and we had just started talking again. So I called up my family, and I told them. And they said, oh, that makes sense. Okay. So I was like, okay, everything's good. And then the next morning, my mother calls me bawling and, and screaming Bible verses at me. And by now, she's a pastor, and so is my sister. So they know a few more Bible verses to throw in my face. 
But I knew that I needed a life change after that, and I ended up moving down here and was pretty instantly openly accepted because one thing I love about the South, when you walk into a room and you say who you are, no one really questions it. So my family and I were not on good terms, and my dad had a lot of health issues all of a sudden and was going to die. And so through that experience, we had to be in close quarters for a very long time while he was dying. And so we had to work out a lot of our issues. And um, so we came together through that tragedy within my family. My father passed away last May. I went on a couple of trips to clear my head and to figure out my life from there. And then I realized on these trips that I was head over heels in love with my best friend a very, very straight woman. And for all intensive purposes, she is a Southern Baptist pastor. They don't ordain women, but she went to seminary. So I thought that this, there was no way that this could be a thing that would happen. And after any rehearsal that we were in, we would always stand in the parking lot, no matter how hot it was or how cold it was, or if it was pouring down rain, we would talk for at least three hours. So, after choir rehearsal that night, she is the alto section leader in my choir. We walked outside and as normal proceeded to have our conversation. And she kept asking me, why are you acting weird? And I kept trying to convince her that she probably knew the answer, but she would not let me get away with it without saying it. So all of a sudden I just blurted out and I said, I think that I like you. And she said, no, no, you don't. You can't, we cannot be a thing. And we spent all night in that parking lot until the sun came up the next morning talking about how we could not be together, how we should not be together, how this is impossible. We went back and forth for about a week and then she finally caved and became my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We knew because of our connection that instantaneously we were going to be together forever. We were absolute soulmates. And so uh, we started a little prematurely, I guess, planning a wedding. And um, we had already figured out who the pastor was going to be and the church we were going to have it at and a few other details. And then this year happened. On a random Tuesday, my boss comes into my office and shuts the door and sits down on my couch and says, I can't marry you and we can't have the wedding at this church because all of us will lose our jobs. At this point, I wasn't willing to give up plan A. I had to figure out how we could have the wedding at the place that I work. That's ridiculous that we couldn't have it there. So he said, at minimum, you have to at least get your name and your gender marker changed on your birth certificate. So right away, I went and called the vital records office in Nebraska. Now, I had put in a request for this uh, name change two years ago. I got an, a nice older lady on the phone, and, and she said, um, I, I think that... Uh, are you sure that it's a name change? Because it's, it's put through as an adoption. And I reassured her multiple times and said, I am not adopting myself, I promise. <laughs> Finally, she must have understood enough. And she said, okay, well, I'll send the amended birth certificate to you. 
anxiously open up the letter, and much to my dismay, it is on really crappy paper with a seal that you can barely feel is real, and in huge letters on the top it says, my birth name, with a tiny line through it, and then it says Kyle underneath it. That is not a document that I can hand to anyone and be safe. I work for churches. I cannot walk up to someone and say, I'm your new employee. Please don't ask me questions. What was the point of even getting it changed? The clerk of court can still tell me no. So I figured, well, I'll just try to get my gender marker changed. So I called up my surgeon who had done my hysterectomy um, when I was 24 and I got a huge bitch of a nurse on the phone for every single day for seven days in a row, and she would never put me through to the doctor. Finally, on the seventh day, I guess she got tired of me calling, and she said, well, I'll ask him, but he's gonna say no. I said, can you, can you please just call me back with whatever he says? So she calls me back a couple hours later and says, well, I guess he's gonna write it, where do I send it? I tell her all the information, and I wait anxiously for two weeks. I finally get the letter, and I'm a little confused because it feels bigger than a one-page letter. All it needed to say was that Kyle has had irreversible surgery and that now he can get his gender marker changed from female to male on his documents. So I open up the letter and it's a two-page long letter of how he is not going to write me that letter and how he doesn't have to write me that letter and how it's dishonest if he writes me that letter and it would be putting his job at risk. So my fate was in the hands of someone who I knew once upon a time. So we had to go to plan B. Couldn't get married in a church or by the person that we wanted to. By this point, I had almost paid off the ring. And so I wanted to take parents out for dinner. And I said, I love your daughter more than anything in the world and I want to be with her forever and take care of her as partners forever. Can I marry your daughter? And I thought that this was gonna be the easiest part because she's 32 and adult and she can take care of herself. So I thought they were going to say, yeah, sure, that's fine. But that was not what happened. For an hour and a half, I sat there as they asked me invasive questions and made awful assumptions about who I am as a person, as a human being. They told me no because I was transgender. They told me no because of course I wouldn't make enough money by working in a church. And then finally they told me no because they were a family of three and they did not want to add someone to their family. I sat there and took it all and I said, I hope that you can talk to your daughter and reconsider and give us your blessing at some point. But all of that crap throughout my life and throughout this year means nothing. I finally feel safe. I feel whole. I feel like a person I know that she sees me better than I see myself, and I know that she sees me for the man that I am and the man that I can be and the man that I should be for her. I know 
more than anything in the world that we are soulmates. And I love her more than anything for loving me that way. And so finally, I know that on October 6th, no matter what crap goes wrong between now and then, no matter what goes wrong on that day, no matter who shows up to our wedding, on October 6th at 7 p.m., I get to marry my soulmate. And so finally, finally I can stand here in front of this entire room and say that my name is Kyle and I am normal. Kyle shared his story during our live event with the theme, The Skin I'm In. Chris and I were both floored by Kyle's story and we couldn't wait to reconnect with him and his wife and get their take on married life, love, and the live storytelling experience. We started out by asking what it had been like for Kyle's wife to hear the story of their relationship told live on stage. It was one of those, like, I was super excited because I feel like people need to hear his story and people need to hear our story. Um, But I was also terrified because you never know who's going to hear our story and who's going to have an issue and who's going to whatever. And so um, it was definitely like that balance of, like, I'm really excited, and also I'm going to cry the whole time, and, oh, God, what's going to (laughs) happen at the end of this or what's going to happen in the middle of this or what, you know. He was terrified to even invite people that we know to hear the story, much less a room full of strangers. Yeah, and it it wasn't that I was necessarily terrified to invite people that I knew because they weren't going to be supportive. Like, they were, for sure. Right. But it was something I had never done before, and I didn't want it to be a catastrophic fail and have people that I know very closely in the audience. So I invited like two people that um, I knew that if I failed, wouldn't ever have any reason to judge me. Yeah. And then like some random people that we knew showed up and we didn't know they were going to be there. And that was a weird, he he almost was like, I I can't do it. I can't do it. Like they're here. I can't do it. And it was like, well, you got to. So, (laughs) um, yeah. Did you guys talk to your friends afterwards? Did they kind of know? Yeah. yeah. What, 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 what was their impression? Uh, everyone was bawling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, and a lot of people, I think, uh, cause all the people that were there were invited to our wedding, um, mm -hmm. that we knew. And one of them came up to me afterwards and said, like, I'm, really honored to be invited to your wedding like I didn't realize the struggle that it was for you to get to this point and I'm really excited that like you value like us you know enough to come so that was cool it was more of a therapeutic thing for me Mm -hmm. than anything you know it didn't it didn't feel like I was doing a service or help you know helping anybody else figure anything out it felt like you know, for like once, it out yeah, and yeah. it was, it was almost like just validating myself that mm-hmm. it's okay for crap to be crazy and for things to be different and for, um, the world to essentially fall apart and to still have some sort of stability and, you know, and it was, it was therapeutic in the way of just putting it out there and being like, I have no idea what's going to happen, but 
it'll be fine. And she just, you know, has that feeling that it's all going to be okay, and it has, and it probably always will be. But um, it's, it's weird for me to have someone be so reassured and also know everything about my life and not, not think any of it's like a big deal. You know, that she's just like, that's who you are, and that's okay, and we're go like moving forward. Like, yeah. Well, I just forget. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> most of the time, I'm like, well, that, that's Kyle. Like, that's all that matters. The last thing I wanted to ask you guys is like, um, if there is someone listening to this episode right now that has um, someone in their life who's trans and they're having a hard time accepting it, what would the advice that you give to them? What would you tell them? Um, I guess I would tell them, like, if they have somebody that it's in their life that's trans, always know that they are more scared than you are. They're scared to tell anybody. They're scared to tell themselves. Um, you know, by the time they've told anyone, they've come through a whirlwind of fears. Um, and the fact that they have not killed themselves before they get to the point of telling someone is almost a miracle because it is so terrifying. Um, and my family is very conservative and very Christian and everybody is a pastor. And so it was a next level of terrifying on that um, end. Just listen and know that they're not doing it to piss you off. They're just expressing how they feel. And also that um, being trans is an ever-changing um, title. Um, it can mean that they want to ident identify as the opposite um, sex, um, or it can mean that they want to be anywhere in between. Um, and that is a really hard thing to figure out as well. So, um, yeah, I guess my advice would just be they're not doing it to hurt you. So. Well, I think if they have gone to the step of telling you that, they trust you more than they trust a lot of people. Like, if it's at the beginning of the transition, like, yeah. that's a huge thing for them to tell you. So you really need to just, you need to be honored that yeah. they trust you with that, that they respect you enough to tell you that. You know, I can't imagine um, a world, and um, I should say, you know, for context, that I'm a straight white male, so there's a whole lot of privilege baked in there, but um, I can't imagine a world where mine and Sarah's marriage becomes anyone's political football or their, like, uh, they believe that our marriage is a, it's a statement about that insults their beliefs. You know, that, that's just so far removed from the realm of possibility for us because we're like, you know, the societal norm. Uh, and and it's, it's love is the opposite of politics mm -hmm. to me. Love is beyond all of that nonsense. Love is just something pure that exists between two people. And, um, and you guys are really a great, you make a great case for that. Thanks for listening to another episode of the All Y'all Podcast. This is our 47th episode, by the way. Live engineering assistance for this story was provided by Nate Tremay, who also composed the music. And you can listen to all of our episodes, all 47 of them, at allyallblog.com. And you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Well, we hope you'll head over to allyallblog.com anyway 
because while you're there, you can learn about a storytelling experiment that we're conducting called Lightning Round. We're looking for ultra short, unforgettable true stories for a special call-in episode. Head to allyallblog.com or look us up on Facebook for a lot more info on how your best tiny short story can be included in the lightning round episode. And who knows, if we get enough tiny stories, maybe we'll do a bunch of episodes. Wouldn't that be cool? Lightning strikes <laughs> multiple <Twice>. times. <laughs> Additional support for this episode of the All Y'all Podcast was provided by Max Centric, Shreveport's locally owned Apple premium service provider, as well as Williams Creative Group, a full service marketing and PR firm located right here in Shreveport. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider posting it on your Facebook wall, sharing it on Twitter, or even telling someone about real life. You could go up to them and take the phone and subscribe them to the All Y'all Podcast right there. We in, have in gotten their app. pretty good at doing that. On the fly. <laughs> on the fly in restaurants and in grocery store lines. We've taught a lot of people how to subscribe to a podcast. And if you're feeling really benevolent, please write us a review on iTunes. Your review helps others, not just in Shreveport or Louisiana, but around the world, discover All Y'all. One last plug from me. I manage the Twitter account. The handle is at all y'all podcast. And we share lots of content that we love from other podcasts. We're going to start sharing behind the scenes production photos and things like that. So give us a follow. Like, for example, if we were to take a photo right now, it would be of the two of us both wearing several layers and bathrobes in our home. Because it is like 30 degrees in Louisiana here as we approach the new year and record this. And if you're like, I don't want to see stuff that Chris posts, I post stuff to Twitter too. Sarah, On occasion, I will I will share things. And she's a genius. <laughs> no. I think we've wasted these good people time long enough at the end of this episode. If you are still listening, you are a champion. Thanks for listening, y'all. <laughs>